Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Chandler Bolt. And I asked Chandler to come on our show because I was so inspired with his drive and his entrepreneurialism. I first met him where he was working or volunteering at a conference, which I thought was really cool. But not only did he track me down uh, to connect, but he actually sent me a handwritten thank you note for connecting with him at the event. Um, in the last probably six or seven months, I've been watching him and seeing what he's doing. He's just absolutely crushing it. And, you know, I was really surprised to hear that as a young hustling entrepreneur, he generated over $320,000 in different businesses by the age of 20. He's written four best-selling books and now works with aspiring entrepreneurs, writers, speakers, and coaches to help them go from book idea to bestseller in three months through his online program, Self-Publishing School. And this is a really important topic because of all the listeners here, especially if you're in any sort of service or expert niche, uh, you have to have your own books out there. You have to be able to establish yourself as an authority. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in our call. But there's no one better, and especially with new technology as it's emerging, there's no one I think that would be better uh, better fit to talk about talk with us today on this subject. So Chandler, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Daryl. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's an honor to have you here. Something that I think would be good to preface this with is because a lot of people are like, you know, why would I want to publish my own book? And a lot of people don't get that. And so kind of to just kind of preframe our talk with you, Chandler, I just would like to kind of review something I mentioned in another call for some of our listeners, and that is the income earning ladder. And I think it's really important uh, to help articulate why it's important, like what you do. And so on the income earning ladder, on the base rung, we have generalists, right? People who do anything. So we have our dentist. He's just a general dentist. And he makes what any dentist could make. And that's the lowest level of income. And then the people who make more than the general are the specialists. So now you're an orthodontist. You have a specialization. And because you've got deeper knowledge in a specific topic, you can charge more money for that. And then people who make more money than the specialists are the trainers of specialists. And this is because as the trainer of specialists, people will pay you a premium for the confidence and certainty that you will follow industry best practices and you'll ideally be giving top quality work because you train other specialists on how to do what they're, they're, they're doing. But the people who make more money than all of those at the very top of the pyramid are celebrities. 
And celebrity it can be manufactured. And a really big important step along that path to, celebr- to manufacture celebrity, whether it's for yourself or your company, uh, if it's not like if you aren't the face of your business, is through publishing content. And that's part of why I've asked Chandler to be on here because he's crushing it. And not only is he crushing it, one of the things that's really impressed me is just the feedback that I've seen him getting from his co- clients and the hand-holding care that he's gotten. And just even like by sending me the thank you note, like that just shows a, an attention to detail. And I just know because we've both been texting. It's like Saturday night, like 11. And, you know, we're texting back and forth. And it's like we're both on our grind. Like, you know, we're invited to parties. We're like, no, no, we got work to do. We got to get things done. So Chandler, yeah, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I just want to ask, how did you even get into the self-publishing area? What did you even got you started to think to publish your own book? Yeah, well, I, I kind of fell into or tripped into it, and that was one of my first book that I put out. And uh, me and a friend just kind of, we wanted a lead capture for our website. So we just, uh, you know, we heard that, like, all right, you need a site, you need a lead capture, you need to build your list, like, you know, all the stuff you hear. And like, okay, well, we got to have something to give away. Right. And we said, hey, we'll put together, like, this little 20-page PDF, and that'll be our giveaway. And then as we started doing it, it kind of progressed and progressed. And then, then it turned into when we, we sent it off to a designer and she turned our crappy looking Google Doc into this beautiful PDF. And then we were like, okay, we could actually maybe sell this. Uh, and then, then we posted it up and, and did like a little mini launch, just kind of threw it out there. Um, I was studying abroad at the time and we launched the first book and then it pretty much just took off. And it was a book about productivity for entrepreneurs. Uh, it's a book called The Productive Person, and it taught David Allen's getting things done. He lowered his price from like nine or ten bucks to three twenty nine, which was cheaper than ours. We were number one on top of the charts, um, and then the book just started selling like eighty, a hundred, hundred fifty, hundred and seventy copies a day, um, just consistently. And that's kind of how I got into it. And and with the first book, it it became a success. And my I was just snowboarding a lot because I was studying abroad and. Uh, like out in the Alps and stuff. And mm. so I was with some friends and they were asking, they're like, well, Chandler, is, uh, I heard the book's successful and they're just asking about it. And they're like, well, is it actually making any money? And that was when I thought about it for a second. I was like, well, we were snowboarding all day yesterday. And while we were snowboarding, the book made over 400 bucks. And it was like almost as if, as I said that out loud, like as those words left my lips, I was like, oh, wow, this is, what I read about in high school, like rich dad, poor dad, right. kind of like all right, passive, passive income, all that stuff. I was like, whoa, okay. I did work once. I'm going to get paid on this forever. And then it was kind of a light bulb moment where once you see it, you can't really unsee it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, and you hit it, man. I mean, that's the, that's the name of the game. I think as entrepreneurs, you know, are, we're, we're visionaries, we're creators. We want to do that. We want to create, we want to build stuff and have it be a value to the world. We don't want to show up every day and clock in and clock out and go through a checklist of tasks. So I think you hit it right. I think we want to create value in the world and get paid for it handsomely for as long as we can. And that's so awesome. You do, you discovered that at such a young age. I mean, right off the bat, like you're just, you're like a boss amongst your friends right because they're all like working at the mall and you're like man that must really suck i just went snowboarding for the weekend and paid for my trip um have fun at subway you know like <laughs> well then i would hire them or, or i would hire some of my friends and then my other friends would realize that 
they were making in a week what my buddies were making in a day working for me. And then they're the ones wanting jobs working for me. And that's awesome. So what were some of the challenges that you first discovered in the process? Like for you, I feel like it's been so organic. Like it's just been a really – yeah, just the way you progressed along it and you just have the right attitude and the right, I don't know, you just, you either have the right mentors and you're actually implementing or what, but I was totally blown away when I got the handwritten thank you card because that's just, that's just such a personal touch and it works and it shows the time and effort and it's just, I don't know, everyone's just into email now and cheapness and that, but I mean, you spent the whole dollar fifty, you know, maybe even three bucks once you got the card and everything, you know, and, and then your time and that. Yeah. Um, kind of what were some of the challenges that you had in your career? Like, cause you didn't come up with that on your own. I don't imagine. I imagine you heard of that somewhere or read about it in a book or something. And that learning was probably spurred on by some sort of obstacle that you had. So, so far up to now in your career, what were kind of the biggest challenges you've had and how have you overcome them? I mean, in terms of, in terms of the whole doing the book process, but the biggest challenge is by far the writing of it. Um, and I never really imagined I'd be in this business. It, this kind of, like I said, fell into it. Cause I was always a really crappy writer, and, like made C's on all my college papers and stuff. And like my friends would turn out a, a four or five page paper in like an hour and a half and get an A on it. And I would just be agonizing over a two or three page paper all like stay up all night and then get a C on it. <laughs> you know, just like staring at a blank word doc, not having a clue what to write. So like the writing was a little bit of the tough part, but then it's kind of turned into this thing of where I sucked at it so bad that now I'm able to teach it because it's, I've, I kind of broke it down into a really simple, <laughs> simple process that anybody can understand. Yep. So it's really kind of helped me distill the message and know that, hey, there's people just like me out there that, that just suck at writing or they're starting from the very beginning. So I need to teach it in a way that they can learn it and in a way that they, it can be really easy for them. So have there's have you had any like I don't know have you had any issues with uh, unhappy customers or any sort of legalities or processing payments or anything like that where you've just hit a wall because it's not it doesn't mean that you're wrong or bad I mean for a lot of us we're figuring it out as we go in business and when we learn things it's because you make a mistake it's like you know you get hit with some uh, I have a friend for example they do they offer a certain number of coaching calls in a month and they've just had an issue mm-hmm. they have a bunch of people that are claiming trying to claim all of them all together but they're like no no they don't roll over every month to month to month and the, the people their customers are like well it's not in your it's not in your terms and conditions and so they've had to go and sit down with a lawyer and like really break out their legalese have you had anything like that like the big learning curves like anything that would really jump out i mean what lessons would you tell yourself if you could go back and and sit down and talk with yourself at like the very beginning yeah i mean some of the issues like when i was first starting one of my first businesses was I had, like, most of my crew quit. Um, I'm dealing with customers, upset customers, like, all that stuff. And that really sucks. One one thing we're dealing with right now is uh, payment processors. So we we thought we planned ahead, and we, you know, the, the merchants, they process all your payments online and all that stuff. And, and we went through and gave them plenty of heads up, plenty of heads up, plenty of heads up. But apparently it wasn't good enough because we were just getting kind of screw that now because they're holding a lot of our they're holding a lot of our money back mm. as reserves yep. to cover their butt. Yep. Um and so it's just been a real pain because that's just choking our cash flow. And so although we had just had the biggest launch we've ever had and we brought in a ton of new students into self publishing school and like the class is going great, everything, our cash flow is just 
really suffering, um, and it's it's just a real pain, and it's something we're having to deal with just all the time right now. Now that's awesome, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's such a true thing. I mean, because for a lot of people in business, you know, first just getting like the clients, like they're they're just surprised people even buy. Like that's the big like wow. But then you actually have to collect the money, and something like what you're going through. I mean, you're doing coaching and training, so you're okay. But if you're actually shipping out like like hard product, you know, like you actually had to have something manufactured. Oh yeah. I mean, that can kill a business, right? And you do, you've done everything you can to work with the merchant account providers, right? Yeah, oh, totally. And and so it's it's you know we we're swapping over a little bit and we're processing future payments through somebody else because mm-hmm. um, we've kind of diverted that and kind of solved the problem a little bit. But I mean, we're still having to deal with that because they're still. I mean, they have they have our money, so they have the power there. So it's it's a little frustrating, but yeah, I mean, we still have uh, accounts payable and stuff like that that we have to deal with. Um, yep. And so like, it, it's a real choke from the cash flow standpoint, but that's a big lesson there is, you know, I've always heard about, you know, it's not about sales and a lot of that stuff. Once you reach a certain point, that's about managing your cash flow. And so that point was just drove home to this is like, we have to do a much better job of managing our cash flow. Right. And we will from here on out. This is a great lesson learned. Right. And in the short term, it's uncomfortable, but I mean, I'm sure you can prove with, you know, with the merchant account, you could probably get like a short term business loan or something like that, but it's still a headache because it takes your eye off of the prize, which is, you know, pleasing yep. your customers and getting more of them. Right. I mean, what do you, yep. what do you think's been, what have you been focusing on that you feel has been the most quintessential to the successes you've had? Um, in terms of in terms of like the business right now, or in spite of the merchant account, or what do you mean? Yeah, I mean you've been able to generate a significant amount of money that for a lot of people, like they're just like a lot of people can't even do that. There's might even be people listening to this call that you know they depend on working with someone else because they can't necessarily make it on their own as within their own business. And so for you, I'm just curious to hear like if you have a to do list, we're kind of the most. Do you have a, a regular? Do you have a regular to-do list or checklist of things that you focus on in a day to make sure that you're successful, that you're constantly pushing the ball forward and you're not getting caught up in red tape? Or One of my biggest strengths is that I'm super self-disciplined, um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty on it when it comes to staying in the routine and stay, like, stuff like that. So just planning out my days the night before and planning out my week on a Sunday afternoon, stuff like that, um, that really helps me not get stuck in the weeds and because a lot of people just start their week with no plan. And then before you know it, you come out of the fog and it's Thursday and you say, Oh, well, there's only one more day. I guess I, I got to start being productive next week, you know, and it's, you just go from week to week to week. And so what's really helped for me is to be super intentional going into the week of like, Hey, here's everything I need to get done this week. Here's the day I'm going to do it all. And then the night before each, each day, just saying, all right, here's my top three tomorrow. Here's what I have to do. Um, and, and that just helps me be proactive and wake up proactively and do the things that are going to move my business forward rather than, rather than waking up and reacting to all the other things that people want me to do, which can be tough. Like when you're in a coaching business or, you know, we have a big, big school of people that were teaching to write, market and publish their first book. Like, you know, there's a lot of demands, whether it's from our coaches, from our community managers, from students, all that. So it's like, you have to know what you need to get done in spite of that so that you can kind of 
move your business forward while also making your customers happy. And have you learned any lessons or what what have you learned about doing exactly that, about making your customers happy and taking care of them? Because I'd love to hear your opinion on it just because you really seem to get it. And I don't know if some of my questions are puzzling you, but you just really seem to get it in a way where I see other people struggling. And I just think it'd be fresh to hear your perspective. Yeah. Well, you just try to go like we have a really high quality bar. Um, like our quality filter is higher than a lot of people's. What do you um, mean so by a result, like, just in terms of like the stuff we put out, or I don't know, just the, our approach is like with self-publishing school. Like, it, we just pride ourselves in being, hey, look, it's going to be no BS, no fluff, only exactly what you need and the best stuff out there. And as a result, it's going to be pretty expensive. Like our course, there's a ton of courses cheaper than ours. We're at the higher end of the market, uh-huh. um, but we like doing that because we want to work with with higher quality individuals. And also be able to provide a higher level of service. So, like, you know, sending them the thank you cards when they register, and you know, do going extra, uh, having actual coaches that that call them every week and keep them on track, and just certain things like that. But then also, as a part of that, it's like setting the expectations very well. So, I think part of providing amazing an amazing customer experience is is setting your customers in line when they're out of line. So when their expectations are off or when when they're giving uh, us a lot of slack or something, it's readjusting the expectations or just simply saying, hey, we can't work together. We're, we're not – like if they're really giving us a hard time, they're not the kind of customer that we would want to work with, and they're throwing off everyone else in the community. So we would rather just say, hey, you know, this isn't going to work out than – have everyone else's experience suffer because of that. Right. Now, I love it. And I'm going to drill down into a couple of things because I don't know how, like, if that was just instinctual for you from the start or if you're coached into this. But what I love is that you wanted to deliver the best product in your industry and you want to be able to charge a premium price for it. And the reason why I love those two key components is because you're not just hawking more more crap people don't need, right? You're not like just a me too. Yeah. You want to do the best thing. But the other part that I love about so much is that you're providing a premium service, which means that compared to your competitors, you need less sales to make money. And what I love about that so much is because I see it so often. People think that the way to get ahead when they enter a market is to come in and charge less than everyone else and for so many people that is the kiss of death because you yeah. don't have you don't have proven market uh, marketing materials you don't have a proven product you don't have a customer base you have nothing and you want to come out and you you were going to try to like you when you say you're going to be the cheapest you're going to try to outwork everybody but there's no margin yeah. in what you're doing and if the only thing that's separating your business and I know you probably know this Chandler so I'm saying it more for the listeners but if if price is the main advantage competitive advantage that you have or going after there is nothing protecting you from someone else with the same strategy and they might be suicidal but if the only thing that you have that separates you from you from someone else is the price of your products or your services then even though they're suicidal they'll kill themselves and run themselves out of business but they'll do they'll stay in business long enough to upset your lifestyle and your business so the the method that you've taken Chandler I don't know if you realize that but that's a really really smart move for the long term perspective because first of all you're attracting a higher quality clientele. I don't know why it is. I've just noticed that when you can charge a premium price and you get people that pay that price, they tend to be better clients. Why? I don't know. I don't get it, but it just is. Anytime I have someone that asks requests special financing or payment plans and stuff, it's and they can't do the default, it's always 
more of a hassle. Like it's, it's not just like, oh, sure, we'll set up a biweekly payment instead of a monthly. Like it's always m- way more than just that. Um, yeah. So how did you come onto that? Who put you onto that? Yeah, well, it was totally my dad. And he's, he's run a construction business for a really long time. Um, and he always talked to me about how, because he started out in business just like you were saying, just cheapest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually he got to where now what people say about him is, hey, Larry Bull, he's definitely not the cheapest, but he'll do the best job. Like, that's what people say when they refer him. And so how he would spark onto that is he was the, the cheapest guy, but he was really good. And what he found is that when people were referring other people to him, they were like, yeah, go with Larry. He's really cheap. And then that really pissed him off because he was like, wait, I don't want to be known for being really cheap. I do awesome work. <laughs> and so then he started raising his prices. And because it's funny, like you were saying, when you're a lower price, those are the kind of people you attract because when people are referring, they say, hey, he's really cheap. So now you attract mm-hmm. cheap customers that care about money. Right. And the same thing you were saying, so when I did my first, one of them, maybe it was like my second or third business, but in, in college, um, I did, it was the first time I hit six figures, and it was with a company called Student Painters, and they trained me how to run an exterior painting business. Um, and throughout that course of that year, um, I did a ton of, ton of jobs, and there were only two people. Because I, first off, I started, I said, I'm going to pay my employees more than everyone else in the company, um, and that means my jobs are going to be more expensive than, than everyone else. But that's the way I'm going to do it, because I'm going to expect more out of my employees, and we're going to do an awesome job, kind of modeling it right after my dad. And also, while everyone else was discounting, I was like, I'm not going to discount because that's selling on price. My dad told me not to do that. And so I only did it twice. And the two people I discounted for were the biggest pain in the (laughs) you-know-what the entire summer. Like, I had, like, virtually no problems, but those two were just tons of problems. And, like, the worst job I ever had was one of the ones that I discounted. And it was just a nightmare. And so then that just drove that home. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm never going to discount and never going to do that again because when you're selling on price and when you're discounting, you're just attracting the wrong types of customers. Yep. No, hands down. And it's exactly what I said. And, you know, and it's so funny because it doesn't matter what you're selling. And I, this is, I'm just going to say this because I know there's people listening to the call. They're like, yeah, but my customers are different. No, they're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. They are not. I have, I have experienced this when I had a martial arts school. I experienced this when I was a personal trainer. I experienced this in my, my clients and customers businesses. I experienced this as selling high end consulting where people would pay me 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. I'd have one client. They would just sure let them meet the payment terms. No problem. Problem, and then others that would try to negotiate some special fi- and it is what you said I don't know why and it's funny because I've been that person as well and I've known I was that person and I felt bad for it because whatever the scenario you know whatever was going on I just wasn't able to pay the what they wanted at the time and then I would see myself as that whether I'm just you know I'm at a coffee shop or something I only have so much loose change or whatever that it has been um, it's just it's a true rule of thumb and that's definitely a takeaway for everyone listening to this call is that when you set your payment terms those are your payment terms and anytime someone needs special juggling just you got to be so careful because yeah it i don't know i don't know why i don't know why it just sets the tone it just sets the tone and you know something that i've noticed yeah. here which may be useful for you and i've seen a couple of my peers and mentors even do this so say for example 
perfect example. Um, actually, one of my one of my friends had this issue, and we were talking about it. And he had a, a potential client that wanted to to work with them and missed the first two appointments, like their two first meetings. And so he just cut him off, essentially. He just said, sorry, like, that's it. You know, like, you missed two appointments, that's it. And then a couple of days later, obviously, this person's upset, right? And they're like, but wait, you don't understand. So what they did is they rescheduled it for a month later. And they put it in the calendar. And they're like, you know, now this is, like, this is it. This is, like, the make it or break it event. And the reason for that is to try to reset. Like, try to do, give the relationship a reset. To be like, all right, we've established a pattern of behavior here that's not consistent. You're not ready yet. Let's wait for a month and then try again and see if you can fit in with the system. And I noticed another mentor doing that as well with payment stuff. When someone uh, asked for special financing, he was like, no, if you can't pay it as it is and you're just not ready yet, maybe you need to come back to us. And that, again, you spoke to that as well, being able to turn away business. So so that's another valuable point for all the listeners here. You know so well who your client is, and you are not afraid to say, thank you, I appreciate you wanting to do business with us, but I don't think we're a good fit. And so many businesses are afraid to do that. They're afraid of saying no. And when you ask someone who their client is, they're like, well, everybody, I can help everybody, which means they're for nobody, because nobody goes and buys a shoe. You buy a running shoe. You buy a hiking shoe. You buy a dance shoe. You buy a dress shoe, right? So anyways, forgive me for my rant, Chandler, but... I just think that's awesome. Now, have you read any good books in your career, like to help you learn and get ahead and prosper? And if you have, what have been the most impactful ones for you? Oh man, so many, so many good ones. Um, I've been really picking up my reading because reading was also a thing that I used to just completely hate, and now I just love it. And I have so many books on my my read list that it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but uh. Big, big impactful books for me. Um, I'll try to go with some ones that probably don't get mentioned too awfully. I mean, because obviously there's the timeless ones. Um, but one one big one, 80-20 Sales and Marketing, um, Gary Marshall. Marshall. That's a great one. It's, uh, anything about marketing, um, if, you're, if you have any sort of marketing, or really it applies to a bunch of different areas of your life uh, and finding your 80-20 and executing on that. Um, that's a really great book. And then... Also, I'll say uh, Influence by Robert Cialdini. That's a really, really good one. Influence is a huge one. Why is it so important? Because uh, I, I think that sales or sales is at the heart of like every business. And so you were asking earlier, you know, why am I able to drive stuff forward? And a lot of times it's because we're pre-selling and we're not afraid to pre-sell. So the first time we ever did self-publishing school, we had nothing. But we weren't going to build out an entire thing and, until we knew people would buy it. So we pre-sold 40-something people into the first program and, and made that part of the pitch, like, hey, you're going to get this content dripped out week by week. You know, it's going to be custom-made for you, all that kind of stuff. And so we just pre-sold them all, and then we created it as we went, which so many people were scared to do. Um, but it resulted in an amazing customer experience and an amazing program because I, I had our master level of VIP students um, like a higher price tier, I had them just anytime they needed anything, they requested it from me. And if it was something worth doing, I would create the content for it, which 99% of the time it was. Mm -hmm. I would just create the content for them because they were all ahead and then give that content to everyone else in the program like a week later on schedule. And so it was custom created to exactly what they needed. And then also um, just like people really enjoyed it, but we we were able to pre-sell it and, you know, bring the money up front validate it and then create it. So that's why I like influence because it's the psychology of persuasion and how do you sell and 
pri- like he talks about the price thing we were just talking about how there's a great story in there about how there was a pair of earrings this this jewelry store owner just couldn't sell couldn't sell these earrings had them in her shop forever couldn't sell them and so she cut the price cut the price cut the price um and then finally she was going for vacation she just wrote a note to the person who was running the store and said hey you know knock these off half um, we just like we just need to get rid of them. And she came back from the trip, and they had sold. And she was like, "Oh, cool! I, I see all these the Z earrings sold." She's talking to the person who, who ran the shop, and the girl was like, "Well, yeah, I just doubled the price, and they sold right away." Uh-huh. She's like, "Wait a second! What? You doubled the price?" Said, yeah, I doubled the price, and they sold right away. And so he uses that story to illustrate that people buy on perceived value. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like I, our price is higher, so people perceive it to be more valuable. Like a little while back, I went to the store to get a radar detector because I go a little too fast <laughs> in my car sometimes. <laughs> I'm running late and I gotta go. Um, and, and so I, I was looking at these radar detectors and I'm like, all I know is I want the best radar detector out there. <laughs> and so I look at the prices. And I just went with the most expensive one because I just assumed, like, hey, this is the most expensive one. It's going to be the best, and I just want the best because this isn't something to play around with, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same for everyone in any purchasing decision. People look at it, and a lot of times you feel like you're doing good by cutting your prices, but you actually lose out on customers because they just want quality, and they want to not have to deal with headaches. Yeah, yeah. See, people people want a good deal, but they don't want cheap stuff. I think that's the key thing to talk about. Like, you know, people want – that's exactly that. They want to get good value for their money, their money but they don't want to buy something cheap that's going to fall apart. Um, and, yep. you know, as a consumer, you actually have to be careful because sometimes the difference between the advanced and the, you know, the, the gold, silver, bronze, the – the silver, you know, isn't that much different than the gold. You just have to check and see what's different because there is a, so much perception and stuff in marketing. And, you know, there are there are snake oil salesmen, but it's also just as, it's about communication. It's about clearly articulating to people, um, you know, what, what the value is that you bring. I mean, there's a famous story, Claude Hopkins, about him selling, I think it was Schultz beer. But, you know, and he, he just crushed the competition and all he did is he put together an ad that explained the process of how they made it, which wasn't that different than anyone else. But because yeah. of the story yeah. attached to it, because of communicating all the time, work and effort that goes into making this pristine beer, people just were like, wow. And then, you know what I mean? Like, cause they knew what went into it. They just valued it so much more. Yeah. So you know, those are, yeah, Chandler, you've done so many of the right things. I think it's awesome. I really do. So your dad obviously is a great source of advice for you what is another sort like what's some of the best advice either your dad or one of your mentors has ever given you um one of the best advice or the best quote i guess and this is funny because it's actually (laughs) i saw this in the original source i looked it up the original source is i think from like mary kay olsen (laughs) (laughs) like you know mary kay nash i was like oh gosh i never thought i'd take advice um from from those girls um, <laughs> like watching the Disney show, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take some advice from these Disney uh, right, right, right. <laughs> But it was actually a really good piece of advice. And it, and it was never take advice from someone who you wouldn't gladly switch places with. Yes. So the way I look at that is like, if there's a guy who's just crushing it in business, but he doesn't have the life that I want, or maybe he his, he's divorced and his kids hate him and he's miserable and all that stuff. Why would I take advice from that person? I don't want to be like him. 
Right. So never take advice from from someone who you wouldn't gladly switch places with. Yep. No, that is so well said, and I love how you articulate because people do that all the time, and they do that to me sometimes. They like they see me as an expert in some things, and I am an expert in some things, but I'm not an expert in everything. And you really do have to change. Like that's yeah. I mean, I'm just reiterating what you already said, but exactly it is. If someone is a good mentor in one category, if they're a great role model for health, then use them as a health role model. But by all means, get your business advice from someone else. You know, I uh, I think that's the worst thing, worst thing you can do. And people do it all the time because they want to, you know, they want the approval of the people around them. So they ask their family and friends. But if they have no experience, if they have, you know, if if they have no, you know, like they just have no clue, then they're speaking to yeah. something outside their knowledge, outside their wisdom, outside their experience. And, you know, you can expect the results that they've gotten, whether you like those or not. Yeah. And if they have no results, then that might be what you get. <laughs> So, yep. yeah, so Chandler, so well said, man. Now, have you ever felt that something was holding you back, like on your progress, something like, you know, that you're just almost like when you eat popcorn, you get that kernel that sticks in your cheek or whatever, and you have to tongue it for a while. Was, was there anything like that that you felt that you were working on and trying to break through and you yeah. did one of the business or, yeah, what were they? Yeah, totally. There's, there's two major things that come to mind that I'm dealing with right now. And then I'm pretty aggressively trying to get better at, um, and the one is one is taking bigger risks um, and mm-hmm. and and really jumping into things when there's not a certainty there's not a certain outcome of me being successful like just jumping in um, that's that's a big thing um, because I feel like I've not, I haven't really taken any risks so I'm just looking at the greats and a lot of those guys take bigger risks and then the, the second thing which enab- is going to enable me to take bigger risks is really being a lot a lot more into my numbers and whether they're like all areas and so publishing school with all our analytics uh in my personal finances with all my spending and income and all that and the income of the business and especially in the area of the business just being really really into the numbers so those are and because i've really been studying um i've been studying rockefeller and um, just finished Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. Yep, that's and, a great book. That's a yeah. great book for everyone that's listening to this call, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. That and Traction, that's another good book. You may like that. If you like Rockefeller Habits, you, you probably like Traction as well. They're both very similar but just kind of slightly different angles. Traction is endorsed by Dan Sullivan, and I don't know who the Rockefeller Habits were endorsed by, but those are just – they're awesome. They're both they're – both. I think my buddy wrote Traction. Which were the authors for that book? Uh, ooh, I'd have to look that up. One second, I can get that for you. Like, like Gabriel, because my buddy Justin Mayer co-wrote that book. I'm pretty sure. It's the one with the yellow cover, right? It was Gino Wickman. Cool, yeah, 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 that's it. Is it? J- Justin used to live down, uh, I live in San Diego, and Justin used to live down here. He's a super cool guy. So I didn't know that was similar to Master of the Rockefeller Rabbit. Now I'm actually going to read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gino Wickman, Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business. And then the Rockefeller Habits... Filler habits. That's Vern Harnish. Yes, yes, Vern Harnish. Perfect. Yeah, and those are great. That's the guy that started entrepreneur entrepreneur organization. He started that um, alongside Kevin Harrington. Um, he also has a book that I just bought the other day. Uh, it's coming in the mail right now. It's called Scaling Up, and that's Rockefeller Habits 2.0. Love so it. I'm gonna dive into that. But I was just studying Rockefeller Habits and and how he was so dialed in on his numbers and he kept double book accounting from the time he was very little and he so he was able to just make 
he had supreme confidence in all his decisions because they were all based in numbers. Yep. So risks that normally seem like risks to 99% of the population weren't risks to Rockefeller because he knew the exact numbers behind it. So in the business that he was in, which was oil refining, um, you know, the, the prices were highly volatile back in that day because they would discover a new oil field, there'd be tons of oil, and, and the prices would go down. And then there would be a drought where they weren't discovering oil fields, and then the prices would go way up. So when there was a lot of oil in the market, the prices would go down, and that would drive people out of business. And so what he did is he, he was so dialed in on his numbers, he had six refineries. And when the, well, there was one time where the prices just really went down. And without hesitation, he closed down four out of the six refineries just instantly, just pulled the, pulled the plug. And while because he did that, he didn't take the hit that everyone else did. And like tons of other people went out of business, he was still profitable even in the worst times. He was able to buy out his competitors and take his business to the next level. And because he was so dialed in on his numbers, this, this is a stat that just blew my mind. But he never had a non-profitable month. Every single month he was in business, he was profitable, which is just mind-blowing because you think about the risk that he took and how, how just aggressive he was with his business and ultimately how big it got. You know, at some point, he just had a down month, but he, was, he never had a non-profitable month, which is just mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. But you know what? Success isn't a mystery. And honestly, it's part of why I put these podcasts together. I mean, this all started because I had just helped a client and I'd had my first experience generating multiple millions of dollars. And uh, obviously not for, not for myself, but for one of my clients. And it was just such a awe-inspiring thing because I just, you know, I just didn't realize how powerful the tools that I've been using for a couple of years were until I've, you know, I've, I've clicked things together. And I was having coffee with a friend and he basically said, yeah, Daryl, if I had access to the people you had access to to sit down and just have a conversation with them like this, I'd be doing million dollar uh, marketing campaigns as well. And that's what kind of spark, like sparked this off. And one of the things like you're saying is, I, and I'm bringing this out because I think it's a good point. So he took a risk, but it wasn't really a risk because he had the numbers. And when you said before, you said the two things that you really need to get better at are focusing on your numbers and taking bigger risks. And I think in some ways, you know, it's not necessarily risk taking because how you did it was so smart. Like when you talk about how he was profitable every month in his business, you were profitable because you launched your product before you even had it ready. And I love that because I've been in coaching groups and mastermind programs and that where I remember once there was a guy, he got up on stage, he got in a million dollars of investment, like VC capital, and they'd spent all, and it was to make flash websites SEO friendly because uh, I don't know, I don't, I have no idea what's going on now, but I know back in the day, a flash website couldn't be read at all by search engines. And so if you had a flash website, although it looked great, you wouldn't be able to rank in Google. And they spent like, a, and this is way back in the early days of the internet, they spent like a million dollars developing this technology to make flash websites uh, SEO friendly. And then he was at the mastermind meeting, he goes, yeah, and so now we have $50,000 and we need to figure out how to market it. And everybody in the room was like, you did that so backwards. Like you should have spent $50,000 on the product to get something, 
you know, that you can put people through and then just pay, just pay people to use it and get feet. You know what I mean? Like versus sitting locked away in a closet, <laughs> building this thing, cackling about how great it's going to be when the world sees it and no one ever touching it, smelling it, feeling it, never putting it into someone's hands. You know, I've never really myself, never seen any product or service launched perfectly. We did a great uh, interview with Max Carey. He, this guy is such a gangster. I mean, he's helped generate a billion dollars worth of sales between all of his clients. He was there when Outback Steakhouse owned only two restaurants. They now have over 2,000. There's an index on the NASDAQ stock exchange he created. And one of the things that he said is that everyone, like they don't spend enough time into getting their model right. And that's just throwing something out into the market and then just dialing it in based on customer feedback and, you know, just feedback from your team and from your sales reps and what customers are saying and your competitors are doing and just turning those knobs and getting it dialed in. And so for you, you know, when you say take bigger risks, you do need to take risks. But at the same time, I think you've been playing it really, really smart and you've been following, you've been asking people what they wanted and then giving it to them. And I think that, you know, it's just, it's just really solid fundamentals, business fundamentals. And I think that oftentimes where people go, uh, like go sideways in anything, whether it's business or fitness or whatever it is, it's because they get away from those fundamentals. So, um, I'm, I'm ranting a lot in this, but I just, I just, I'm so proud of you and the things that you've done and you've just made such a big impression and you're just, you've got so much stuff going right. I don't want you to sabotage it trying to be like somebody else or something you think you should do. I think you need to, oh, follow, totally. I think you need to follow the money and sure, take on bigger risks, but not necessarily take on bigger risks, take on a bigger goal or a bigger project. I think that that's, you know, the risk. Well, yeah. Yeah. But so, like that's one of my mentors said is like, you know, there's a big difference between taking risks and being risky. Right? right, like being risky is like you were saying, just jumping into the, jumping off a cliff into the river, and you don't even know if anyone's right. ever done it or if the river's deep enough. Right, <laughs> you know. So it's like taking the, taking those calculated uh, risks. But in terms of numbers, we should be tracking. There's a lot of them. Um, we gotta track <laughs> our cash flow a lot better. <laughs> I mean, really, like it's it's analytics. It's you know, opt-in percentages, it's our list, list growth over time. It's, um, our, our cost per click, our customer, like we've been tracking a lot of that stuff on a smaller level, um, but it just needs to come to the forefront. And especially with our cash flow, um, that's where we really just like really being super on our expenses, on our month to month, on our projections and, and, yeah, lot. <laughs> yep. Well, there's a couple of numbers um, that you want to always keep your eye, your eye on. So obviously, um, let's go over a couple of those. So first of all, it's your cost per lead, cost per sale, net profit. Um, cash is always king because, like, as you learn the hard way, right? <laughs> when your cash, as long as cash is good, you're okay. You know, you can have a lot of account receivables, but if the if you're not um, collecting or able to pay your bills, that can cause a lot of problems. So cost per lead, cost per sale, lifetime customer value, net profit. Um, your cash flow, and there's a couple others, which I think some uh, some really good numbers for you and anyone else listening to this call. There's a book called Libe, L-I-B-E-Y, on RFM. And in fact, you can buy it, or the whole book is online for free if you search for it. And it talks about recency, frequency, and monetary value. And those three numbers are huge. I did, a, I did an interview with Brian Kurtz, and we were talking about Boardroom Reports, a company that's done, I think, 40 to to $100 million every year for like the last 
10, 20 years. Um, and, you know, and they have this massive database of literally millions of customers. I think they are around something like 8 million. I asked, I remember when I was at their office, I asked, and I, said, well, I had, uh, I asked a couple of different people in the office and one person told me their database of customers, not everyone, but customers was 7 million. Another said 9 million. Another I think said 6 million. So there's somewhere in that range, millions of customers. And there's so many data points that they could be watching. And it really comes down to RFM, which is recency frequency and monetary value. And here's, let me explain how, how and why these are so powerful. So the customers that you have now, you want to make your next offer to before they complete your program. And the reason for that being is because, you know, if I just went and saw a movie Friday night with some friends, it would be easier to make plans to see the next movie while we're at the movie before we leave and all go our separate ways. Right. So that's almost the same sort of scenario. And again, using the movie analogy, if I wanted to go see a movie this like today, right now, I would be better off thinking and calling all the people I went and saw a movie with in the last 30 days because they would be the most likely to come and see a movie with me versus calling someone that I went and saw a movie with two years ago and I haven't talked to them since. So recency is so important and keeping your customers recent is really, 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 really important. And obviously I can't teach everything that there is in that book, but the second two is frequency, how frequently they buy from you. And the last one is monetary value. And so that's where disproportionately you don't want to value a client because they buy your big ticket item if they only buy from you once and it's been three years. Right. They're not necessarily if they bought from you once three years ago, that was great. But, you know, they're kind of cold and you have to warm them up again. They're not as valuable to someone as someone to spend marketing dollars on as someone who bought from you in the last 30 days. That's a great thing. I mean, honestly, Chandler, for you, I really think that learning RFM will be important because, you know, you've got lead flow, you've got customers. And now you're going to be building out the back end of your business and knowing where to spend the money and who to actually write handwritten thank you notes for or spend some money on some nicer marketing. Uh, RFM will tell you exactly who those people are, where you should spend that money at. Because when you break it up into your quintiles, basically there's five different groups. Each, 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 each data point can be broken up into five segments, which is recency, frequency, monetary value. So you have these, there's these 15 different criteria. And when you match them up, you get what's a five, 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 which is the most recent, most frequent, and the people have paid the most. And you'll find that if you mail the exact same promotion to your five, five, fives and your four, four, fours and your three, three, threes and your two, two, twos, there will be a predictable drop in response rate for each segment of people where you'll get the best response and the best ROI for your marketing dollars by marketing to the 555 group of your RFMs. So that's a huge number. That's from the marketing perspective. And lots of other people may have other numbers, but from as a marketer, those are really, I think, key numbers to be paying attention to. Cost per lead, cost per sale, lifetime customer value, net profit, of course, uh, uh, of all of it, and then your RFM numbers, and then just making sure that you're on top of your cash flow. Um, I think that that's a great place for you to start because, you know, anytime you take something, you can get lost in a lot of, a lot of like any, you want to take up tennis, you want to take up whatever. There's a lot of different things you talk about and angle and pitch and all this stuff, but it really does just boil down to some bare bone fundamentals. And so anyways, that's my, my rant on that, but, um, love it. Love um, it. do you have any habits Chandler? I mean, you talked about the discipline that you have. Do you have any habits that you feel have really helped you on your path? Yeah. Um, the biggest one I'd say is my morning routine. It's pretty rock solid, and I've been doing it for a while, and that's that's just a big one. And it's because I work from home, um, and so it's it just it really helps me to where it flips the switch from okay, now it's time to go to work. Like as soon as I in as soon as I get to the end of that routine, 
like I've already done a ton of stuff to better myself, my body, my mind, my spirit, everything, you know. And by the time I start my day, I've done a lot more than most people have, and I'm just not getting started. But it also is a is a switch. So like uh, the part of the the switch from morning routine to work, like I take a cold shower and then I put put like clothes on as if I was going out somewhere. Yep. Um, and that really helps. So rather than lounge pants and all that stuff, like I've just had a pretty, like a cold shower is pretty jolting. <laughs> and then you put clothes on and it's like, okay, these are, I'm putting on my work clothes, like time to go to work. And then I sit down at my desk and, and I get after it. That's awesome. I think you're right. And I, I'm the exact same way. I literally, just before we got on the call, I was talking with my, uh, with my parents actually, and they were asking like how my day went and all that. And I, you know, even though it's Sunday, I'm, I stick to my, my morning routine. And so I got up, did exactly like you got up, went to the gym, did my thing. And I feel like there's a huge difference. If I, I think I was even telling you that before too, there's such a huge difference. If you're on that routine, I mean, by the time it's 9am, I've worked out, I've either meditated or I've studied a language for 30 minutes. I've eaten, I've worked out, I've showered, I've dressed, I've, you know, and then I'm at my desk ready to start the day. And most people don't even get that done. You know what I mean? Most people don't do all that in, an, in a day. Yeah. And not only that, oh, I also plan yeah. my goals. The five-minute journal, that's an awesome, awesome tool. Yeah, I think you're right. So having a morning routine, being really disciplined, um, I guess following the advice of other people, I think that's important as well. I know I've gotten advice and I've failed to follow it and then been like, why didn't I listen to that? Those are Those are great habits, man. So what are you working on now? What are you really excited about? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. We just had our biggest launch ever with the publishing school. Got a ton of people in the program. And we're, I'm getting notes or messages or stuff like almost every day this past week. And, and a lot of them about how awesome the program is, how much it's changing people's lives, like how much they're loving it. And that's really exciting. Uh, it's also we're getting a lot of systems in place to run it. The, the business is running more like a well machine. We've got coaches in place. We've got it's just it's going a lot more smoothly, and it's just awesome to see the business grow. And then that's what I'm excited about to grow it even more because from the first round we just kind of tested it, we pre-sold it, and, and threw it out there, and we had just ridiculous success rates. Like I've never seen success rates this high in, in our industry, and that kind of gave us the confidence to say, okay, we really believe in this. We're gonna bet the farm on this with our with our next one and because we saw that it works we saw it did well so we did that and we had our biggest launch ever and now it's just going further and and kind of turning this thing into a bigger business and helping a lot more people so that's what i'm excited about that's awesome so how did you launch it this time what was what did you do what were the key components of this launch that made it the biggest success um it was we had a lot of good affiliates we did a lot of facebook ad traffic um Really, we heard Kurt Malley and those guys, they knocked it out of the park, um, and we spent some money on Facebook ads. We did a lot of different stuff. Um, we, we hired a copywriter um, who he, he did really well. We just really kind of built out the team a little more um, and then also just put a lot into it. And we launched a new book, which, which kind of blew up, and we kind of practiced what we preach in terms of launching books and so we launched one called Book Launch, and it's kind of like a 10,000-foot view of what we teach. And that book brought us in 2,000 leads in a month, um, and that was leading up to the launch of Cell Publishing School. So, you know, that that really did well, and overall it did well. I mean, we just about tripled members 
um, from the first time, and um, we were pretty happy with it. The only thing uh, that we need to do better is refine our offer a little bit. The offer didn't convert quite as well mm-hmm. as we wanted to. Um, so we definitely need to refine that, and then the higher tier of the program didn't convert um, as well as it did last time. So we've got to tweak that off a little bit and make that offer better. That's awesome. That's awesome. But you're getting amazing cl- results for your clients. You still had the biggest launch in your business career yet, and you guys are just getting started. So I wouldn't be surprised if next year is your first seven-figure year. I think the rate that you guys are going, you're, you're probably going to crush it, if not before then. So, um, Chandler, oh, this year, this year. This year, yeah, okay, no, man, that's oh, awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. We haven't talked it's a lot. So. It's gonna happen. It's good, 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 <laughs> good. No, that's perfect. That's man. That's the mission of this podcast: is to connect and be a part, just play a role in some. And my mission is to create 200 new multi-millionaire business owners who solve world problems with entrepreneurship. And that's because every business should solve a problem for someone. And you definitely solve a problem by helping right. experts get their knowledge out there. And I would love, love, love to hear about your business doing seven figures. I mean, this is what your second year. Uh, um, kind of, I mean, we're technically in still in year one, um, <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's, it's now 2015. So like we started in 2014. Yeah. No, man, I love it. Let's do it. Seven figures. Let's do it. I will, I will be the first to congratulate you and buy you dinner when you hit that seven figure mark. That will be awesome. I'm so proud of you. And this program, if people listen to it and they're like, all right, I need to get a book. I, I, I haven't had 2000 leads for anything. you know, I'm not, I'm not a celebrity yet. I got to get my name out there. I got to start, you know, building my, building my way up, up that income earning ladder that I talked about in the beginning. So how do they find out, how do they get in touch with you? How do they find out about your program? Give me, give me some info. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they could find me on Facebook or they can shoot me an email at Chandler at self-publishingschool.com or they can go to self-publishingschool.com and right on there we have a link for like a free PDF or an audio book or like for book launch so they can get that um, which is kind of like our 10,000 foot view and that's kind of like a way to take their learning to the next level. That's awesome. So, sorry, let me make sure I got this right. It was self and then the minus like minus sign publishingschool.com Yep, dot com. Perfect. All mm-hmm. right. So self dash or minus publishingschool.com. Chandler Bolt. Um, Chandler, thank you so much for sharing uh, your your experience, your wisdom with us. You've got a long career ahead of you, and I am just so man, I am so excited to be a part of it. And I just yeah, I just appreciate I just appreciate being able to witness witness it happen. So thank you so much. Um, and before we go, was there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Um I think that's it, man. You covered most of it, so good job. (laughs) All right, man. Well, thank you so much. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, What can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact.
You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.